With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. Well, good evening and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. We are the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing issues and challenges facing today's church with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Well, tonight on Contending for the Faith, we begin a new series entitled The Different Storms That God Allows in Our Lives. When we look around our world today, and even within our churches, there are many different storms that God allows in our lives. God uses these storms to mature us, to break us, to remake us, and to conform us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. The big question is, are we truly listening to the lessons of these various storms in our lives? Storms that God is using to get our attention and get us to a place where he wants us to be. Not because he hates us, but rather the contrary, because he loves us. So tonight we bring you part one in our new series entitled The Different Storms God Allows in Our Lives. So stay tuned for we are not pretending, we are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed and uh, thank the Lord for this opportunity to uh, serve him again. And I want to thank the Lord for also using you uh, a couple of weeks ago and just uh, bless the people in a mighty way through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we appreciate that. And we appreciate God uh, blessing us to give uh, everybody out there in Radio Land another new series because uh, all of us are facing some type of storm in our life. And uh, it's important for us to uh, know that when we face the storms of life, it's not so much uh, knowing that a storm is coming, but the most important thing is how are you going to respond to the storms in life? And if you're going to respond to them in a biblical way. So we are going to go into this series. This is going to be part one tonight, and it's going to be a long series, but we trust that you're going to get blessed by it immensely, and we want to encourage you to get your pens and your paper and your Bibles and get to a table and take down some good notes because you're getting ready to enter into the school of spiritual higher learning in the Lord. Now, uh, I want to say this, that uh, uh keep things off by giving you a quote from uh, A.W. Tozer, uh, a great man of God and a great uh, theologian, one who was a great writer and author and a person that God used a whole lot in a lot of his writings. If you haven't ever read any of uh, A.W. Tozer's work, you should, because it'll really bless your life. Now, uh, his last name is spelled with T-O-Z-E-R, Tozer. So, this is what he said. I want to keep things off with a quote from him. He said, and this is so powerful, I shared this in our church last uh, Sunday. Uh, he says, quote, It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly 
until he has hurt him deeply. Think about that now. It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. God actually rises up storms of conflict in relationship at times in order to accomplish his deeper work in our character. We cannot love our enemies in our own strength. This is graduate level grace. I like that. Graduate level grace. Are you willing to enter this school? Are you willing to take the test? If you pass, you can expect to be elevated to a new level in the kingdom. For he brings us through these tests as preparation for greater use in the kingdom. You must pass this test first, close quote. What a powerful, powerful quote from A.W. Tozer. Now, let me say this first part of this again. It is doubtful whether God can bless a man, and he talked about man in the generic sense, man and woman, greatly until he has hurt him deeply. You know, a lot of times when you go through life and you experience uh, hurt and pain, just consider it all a blessing. But Jesus said, in this life, you'll receive tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And look at what the early church went through. Uh, they went through all sorts of persecutions, even death. But every time they got persecuted, God caused the church to grow. Just read the book of Acts and see that. And God has a purpose in every storm in your life, whether you see it or not, or whether you know it or not. You know, it's important for you to understand that. And we are talking about uh, the title of this series is Different Storms That God Allows in Our Life. Uh, and uh, I'm going to be uh, in the body of this message. It's going to take uh, maybe next week when I'll get into that, maybe uh, about seven different types of storms that God allows in our life. Now, uh, when we go through these storms, make a note of this. Uh, all of this types of storms in our lives uh, is, again, uh, not that the storms are going to come, but how are we going to respond to them? And uh, God allows these storms in our lives as teaching lessons. He allows it as teaching lessons. He allows storms in our life as testing lessons. He allows them in our lives as purifying lessons. He allows them in our lives, these storms, as sanctifying lessons. He, alert, he allows these storms in our life as desert lessons. Uh, he allows these storms in our lives as preparation lessons. He allows these storms in our life as cleansing lessons. He allows these storms in our life as renewal and repentant lessons to draw us uh, back to him or closer to him. But sometimes, uh, I want you to note this, sometimes the sea of life is calm. You know, sometimes it's calm. But you never grow when it's just calm, my friend. You got to have some turbulence in that storm in order to grow. So sometimes the sea of life is calm, but other times the wind uh, blows uh, very strong and out of control. So sometimes the sea of life is calm, 
and the winds blow softly. But other times the sea and winds rises and blow harder and gets darker and it gets out of control. Even the sky darkens and we find ourselves in the midst of terrible storms and sometimes a life of threatening storms like the disciples were in. Uh, and Jesus put them in that for a purpose, to test their faith. And even the Apostle Paul was in a terrible storm in Acts chapter 27, and you go, you can go into 28 as well. And when they were starting to sink in that Acts chapter 27 and 28, when they were starting to sink in this terrible storm, the Apostle Paul warned them to throw overboard all the extra baggage that was causing the ship to sink in the midst of the storm. My friend, I want to say this in conclusion. In your life and in my life, we have a lot of baggage that the Lord is trying to clear out of our lives. Did you know that? Did you not know that? The storms, the purpose of the storms, my friend, is to clear out of your life baggage. You know, just like in your home, you know, a lot of times we got clutter stuff and stuff that we don't need and we need to get rid of it. Well, God operates in saying the same thing to us. There are certain things in our lives, certain sins, certain things of the flesh, certain things of the world, and certain things in our personal life that's in the dark. And God is trying to say to you and me, get rid of the baggage, throw the baggage overboard. If they hadn't listened to the Apostle Paul in Acts 27, 28. They all, he said, we're all going to die. And in the storms of life, it can kill you, my friend. It can destroy you. It can neutralize you, sterilize you. And what you got to do, you got to release the baggage to God. You got to throw it overboard to God. And you got to take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. You, you need to carry all your baggage to the cross and leave it there. You need to give Jesus all your yoke and burdens, as Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28 and 29. He said in verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, he says, And take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am weak and lowly in heart, and you will find rest unto your soul. You know, when you go through the storms of life, the burdens are really overwhelming. And Jesus said, come unto me, uh, all you that labor and heavy laden, and learn of me. You know, this is one of the greatest discipleship passages in the Bible. About 98% of the New Testament with Jesus is on discipleship. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why you should be teaching on discipleship in your church. And then he says in verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are you carrying things right now that's overwhelming in your life? Maybe it's overwhelming mentally, physically, financially, socially, politically, religiously. Maybe some things, even in the church, is burdening you down. Well, Jesus said, come unto me. He didn't say come into a religion. He didn't say come into a tradition. He didn't say come into ritualism. He said, come unto me. He didn't even say come into a seminary or Bible college. He says, come unto me. And then I want to say this in closing. 
that uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 1 through 2, he says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run the run with patience the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. My friend, you got to lay aside all this baggage and personal sin in your life. You got to come to the place right now of confession and repentance. And we're going to pray this prayer in closing. I want you to repeat after me. Dear Lord, I confess my sins. All of the burdens that I've been carrying, I confess those sins. And I confess the sins of not trusting you as my Lord and Savior. Lord, I also repent of these sins in my life. And I turn to you as my Savior and Lord. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Brother Gary. Well, all right, it's time for us to take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open, and we want to hear from you. Take the opportunity, give us a call. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Well, welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Uh, it's so vitally important that you all continue to pray for Contending for the Faith. Uh, we know that many of you over the last 20 years, as this show's been on the air, that you have been praying consistently, and we thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts dr buckner and i know that it's because of your prayers that we're still on the air it's because of your prayers that people are being touched saved and set free uh you're partnering with us you're partnering with god in this ministry at that point of prayer so don't stop praying keep the prayers going up it is so vital um you know one of the things as a christian uh, there are certain things that I consider are non-negotiable. And if you call yourself a Christian, there's things you must do. And one of those things you must do is pray. You must seek the face of God. And we thank you for seeking the face of God on behalf of contending for the faith. And we also want to thank those of you who over the years have partnered with us financially. And you have kept us going and kept the lights on, as they say. And uh, we thank you so much. It's such a tremendous blessing. And we know many of you have sacrificially given. And we believe God's going to honor that sacrifice. You're going to stand before God one day. He's going to say to you, turn around and look. And you're going to turn around and behold a vast multitude of people. You're going to ask the Lord, who are these people? And the Lord's going to say to you, these are the people that made it into the kingdom as a result of your giving. Because you had a generous heart. And you listen to the Holy Spirit who prompted you to give. And as a result, lives have been touched and changed for time and eternity. And that's what happens here at Contending for the Faith. You're, all the monies that come in go directly toward airtime so that we can keep doing what we're doing, that we can keep giving reasons and answers for faith. 
it's an important, important calling upon our lives to, to uh, participate in this apologetic ministry. So we want to encourage you. There's two ways that you can donate. You can address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553. Tiburon is spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier. You simply go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org and click on the donate button and you will be a blessing for time and eternity. You know, we, you know, have been Dr. Buckner's message tonight on storms has been a real personal one over the last couple of weeks because one of uh, our dear brothers who has been involved with contending for the faith many years, who's been very much an armor bearer for Dr. Buckner, has uh, has come and helped out at many speaking engagements that we've had, and uh, trainings and what have you. And he's just been a, an amazing support and help to the ministry. Brother Carl Ross, and um, he passed away last week. He had a massive heart attack and um, he succumbed to the stress and the strain that goes along with that. And so we want to encourage you to pray for his family, his wife, his uh, son. And on top of that, his sister who came in to visit him while he was in the hospital, by the time she got back home, her husband had a massive heart attack and died as well. So the family is reeling from two deaths at once. And so we want to encourage you tonight to lift up that family. Matter of fact, we'll pray right now and you be praying with me. Lord, we just pray for the family of Carl Ross and his sister. We pray for the, the family that you, Lord God, are the God of all comfort and that you would comfort that family, that you would bless them, surround them with your love and surround them with support and the help that they need during this, this time of grief. We pray, Lord God, that you would give them your perfect peace, that peace which surpasses all understanding, guard their hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Comfort the family, bless the family, strengthen them and meet every need that's represented in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, Dr. Buckner, are you ready for the callers tonight? Yes, I just want to say this, add to what you're uh, saying uh, is that, you know, uh, Brother Carl, Ross, we're going to greatly miss him. Uh, he was a great uh, co-worker with me, and some of you listening may remember him, but I would uh, encourage you to look up Dr. Jerry Buckner speaks at the Bass Convention many years ago. That was right before the COVID hit, and um, I spoke to about 4,000 people, and people were so touched that they flooded to my class. Carl said, you got to get you over to the, your class. And uh, people kept trying to talk to me. They got me over to my class. And, and Brother Gary, you were there and you were the doorkeeper. <laughs> and uh, people kept coming and coming. And uh, it got to a point where you had to say nobody else could come in. They were up against the walls. We had close to almost 100 people in the class. Generally, they get about 30. And uh, Carl is right in there with me, uh, introducing me, uh, passing out the papers. Uh, so if you really want to see the way God was using this man, 
go to the Bass Convention under Dr. Jerry Buckner, the YouTube, and look at that. And then when you get blessed by it, uh, send me an email and a text and let me know. You'll get blessed by my teaching as well uh, that I did. Uh, so anyway, I want to throw that into there as well. All right, Brother Gary, ready. All right, let's go to Brother Rick on line one. Brother Rick, are you there? Are you there? Yeah, how are you doing? I'm blessed. How about yourself? Truly, truly blessed. Truly blessed. Good to hear your voice. Um, uh, uh, what's on your heart tonight? Well, that's a very interesting question. You know, in Luke 16, the, the interesting thing about that parable, it's not even a parable. It's basically, it's basically a true event that happened. One name is mentioned and one name is not mentioned. Why is it meant, Why is it presented in that manner? Well, that's a very good question, uh, Brother Rick. And it's interesting that you're asking that question because I'm putting together right now a PowerPoint on uh, Luke chapter 16. And it was going to be a masterpiece when I complete that and with Gary... Uh, assisting me. Gary specialized in the area of graphic artwork and and if you ever need somebody that can really do a tremendous job for your church uh, and ministry, Gary is uh, very gifted and talented in that area, so I highly recommend him. Uh, he's done mostly all my PowerPoints and people have been blessed in churches. So uh, getting to your question, uh, why is the poor man's name is mentioned in Luke 16 and not the rich man's name mentioned? Uh, that's a very good question and warrants a, an attempted answer. Well, as you said, this is a true story because parables don't generally mention people's names. And when yes, you mentioned, when Jesus mentioned a person's name, that means that it was a literal event. And some people, some theologians and radio show hosts, you'll hear them say, that uh, this was not a true story, but I beg to differ from that. Now, Jesus tells the true story, and he uh, forgets the name of the rich man and tells us the name of the beggar. Isn't that something that's interesting and, and something worth thinking about? Now, uh, never once in this story is the rich man condemned. Now, this is important for me to say this. Never once... In this story, is the rich man condemned by Jesus for being rich? Uh, because they bring into the story uh, Abraham, and Abraham is mentioned, and he was rich. <laughs> so it's, it, he's saying something. You know, here's a rich man, Abraham, who actually didn't wasn't controlled by his riches, but controlled by God. And here is a uh, rich man controlled by his riches. And then we got a lot of people in the world like that today. Now, some scholars, this is important for me to say that, so some of you may want to take a note of this. Uh, some scholars say that the rich man's had a name too. And they called him Dives. Now, Dives, that's spelled D-I-V-E-S. You might want to do some uh, study on that. Dives, you as some of you uh, younger people probably never heard that, but me being from a little older generation, uh, we have heard even sermons on this, uh, Dives. Uh, Dives is actually a traditional name that comes from the 
Latin Vulgate, which is another term for rich man. So when they use the word dives, uh, it's for it's, it's in reference to a rich man from the Latin Vulgate. Now in uh, John chapter 10, verses one through 21, Jesus said, he calleth his sheep by name. Uh, maybe Jesus had in mind Lazarus because he was thinking probably, and I'm gonna ask him when I get to heaven, uh, that Lazarus uh, name is mentioned in the Lamb's Book of Life, and the rich man's name is not found in the Lamb's Book of Life. Maybe Jesus intentionally just uh, deleted his name because everybody that doesn't follow Jesus is going to be deleted. Their names from the book of the Lamb's Book of Life, and if you want to get in that book, you better make sure that you are following. Jesus, you've repented of your sins, you're following him as king of your life, Lord of your life, and you're obedient because Jesus said, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. He said this in Matthew 7, but he that doeth the will of my father. My friend, don't get fooled by religion or churchianity. You got to get your life right with the Lord and you got to be committed to him as king. And you got to forfeit your right and commit your life to him as king, as ruler. Because Jesus, he preached more on the kingdom of God than any other subject. Why? Because he's a king. And he wants people to follow him and be obedient to him and submissive to him as king. If you haven't decided to do that and you say, I'm going to do what I want to do irregardless. All right. You're, you're getting a ticket straight to hell, my friend. And don't be like this rich man, because once you get there, a lot of people in hell are going to be praying to get out. And this this rich man was praying in hell. But the connection between uh, where he was at and heaven has been burned out. That's so hot. So just get right. Get right with God right now, my friend. Whoever you are, you hearing this message, get right with God right now. Hopefully, Brother Rick, that helped uh, mentioning Divies and a little meaning behind it from the Latin. Yeah. Hopefully that has helped you. Amen. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Do you have any prayer requests before we go to our commercial? Yes. Pray that, pray that I'm able to go through the transition of uh, being in, uh, Kate, in the uh, new Cadence apartment and that things go well. We're still, we're still going through some transitions. But uh, just give me strength to endure. Okay, well, let's go before the Lord on those prayer requests, Brother Gary. Amen. So, Lord, we just pray right now, and we lift up Brother Rick's request, Lord God, as he transitions with his move, Lord God, that you, Lord God, would just go before him and make his path straight, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that everything would work in his favor. We pray, Lord God, that this be a smooth transition. We pray, Lord God, that you would make every bump in that road smooth, that you would make level every hill, Lord God, and that he would end up in the best situation. And we look forward, Lord God, to a good report. We pray, Lord God, that you would strengthen him and encourage him through this process. We pray that you also give him peace through this process. And we pray, Lord God, that you would just pour your resources into his life so that he has everything that he needs, all the help that he needs through this process. We thank you for Brother Rick. We pray that you bless him 
keep him strong in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Brother Rick. And thank you, Brother Gary. All right, Brother Rick. God bless you, brother. Thank you for your good question. God bless question. you guys. All right, Brother Gary. All right, well, we've got about three minutes left. Shall we go to the commercial then and just come back fresh? All right, let's do that. Let's take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open and we want to hear from you. Be right back with more Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecturer, Counselor, and Expert on the Cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, I want to thank all of you who have been praying for Contending for the Faith and all of you who have been so generous as to partner with us here financially. So it's just been a blessing to have your prayers going forward. It's been a blessing for you to partner with us. And we feel like God has just surrounded us with so many wonderful people who encourage us, who pray for us, who bless us. And we can't thank you enough. There's two ways that you can donate. Uh, you can address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon is spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. And as I said earlier, you can go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org and click on the donate button and you will be a blessing for time and eternity. All right, Dr. Buckner, ready to get back to the callers? Let's do that, uh, Brother Gary. All right, we're going to jump to Jermaine. No, he has an interesting question for us tonight. Hello, Brother Jermaine. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing very well. And what's on your heart tonight? What's the question? Well, just um, with uh, all this stuff going on currently in our country, uh, I was just kind of taking note of how people have been reacting with the recent uh, indictment to the former president. And, I, you know, at this point, I just pray for folks and take a step back. But it, it really kind of unnerved me not because I'm a fan one way or another at this point, but it seemed like people have a special interest or, or almost like a glee at the other side of uh, the opposite of whatever party they're in kind of suffering. And that kind of disturbed me because some of these people are, are supposed to be believers. And I was kind of wondering is politics itself at times like a religion? Cause it, it almost seems like they're uh, turning these people into false gods and, you know, you know they're lying. You, you know when these people are talking, they've been proven to lie. And it seems like if someone's on the other side of uh, someone they don't like, they just, you know, they either they focus too much on one and ignore the other or vice versa. So, you know, I'm, I'm not for not participating, but I am for not turning it into a religion. I, I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Does politics kind of turn into a religion in itself? Yeah, you have a very good question, Jermaine. And let me say this uh, before I get to your direct question, um, that um, a lot of times when uh, one particular party go after another party to this magnitude, you see that 
is not driven by God or driven by love. It's driven by hate. And one of the good things about all of this that I want to say to some people that may be affected by all of this is that this is nothing new, you know, uh, and we look at the story of uh, Haman uh, and Mordecai, and they went after the Jews uh, to literally obliterate them out, you know, and uh, God seemed like, you know, in the book of Esther, because God's name is not mentioned, as you can see the providence of God, and you ask the question, where is God? And we're in that day and age where we're wondering where is God in the midst of all this evil that these people are doing and doing to a particular party. And God always shows up in just enough time. And what you intend for evil, uh, it, it you know, God brings it good out of it. And that's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, the opposite parties poll, the leaders going uh, skyrocketing. You just, the more, the more you, you demonstrate hate, sometimes uh you know god gives the people favor so but the thing the other thing that i want to say about this is that uh, sometimes a religion uh, i think that it's moved beyond and gary and i were talking about this it's moved beyond a religion to a cult i mean it's literally cultic what the people are doing uh and uh and we look at uh, the time of jesus and there's nothing new right because they wanted to make him out a political uh, savior. And we see in some churches, they're more politically driven than being driven by the Holy Spirit and using the pulpit as a means to preach politics. And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. It's not of this world. When they tried to make him out a political leader, but he had to rebuke the people. But we are living in a day and age where uh, this... Uh, I would say not only religions uh, and false cults are a cult, but politics have gotten itself to a place of being a cult. And people worship the, uh, the political leader that they uh, follow, and they look at him like a god and their positions and their beliefs. And this is not only uh, where we're dealing with uh, it from a uh, political perspective, but the cultic mentality has uh, manifested itself with the DOJ, the FBI, and the media. Uh, they're all involved with this cult too, and it's uh, and a lot of times, like what happened with uh, Haman. You know, he wanted to put the the noose on the neck of Mordecai, and he ended up being on his neck. You know, and you know, people got to watch out because it can reverse on you and you'll end up having the noose on you. Gary, you want to just add to uh, what I've said here? Yeah, well, you know, listen, when Scripture says, for instance, in 1 Timothy 2, 1, 2, I urge you then, first of all, that petition, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, Right. And Romans 13, 1 says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. So we are, we are given instruction to pray for leadership, to pray for those people in authority. And so, I, you know, I can remember talking to a lot of different people that seem to have, you know, a hatred for one 
the opposite uh, candidate or the other. And I'm like, you know, if this person, this person is, is now the leadership. What is our attitude to, toward that person? As Christians, we are instructed to pray for our leaders. Now, you know, God raises one up and God puts one down. You know, at the end of the day, God is in control. So, you know, we, we shouldn't get to this place where we're hating somebody or we have, you know, somebody, they always talk about Trump derangement syndrome or this or that. You know, people have to realize that God is in control. And if God puts somebody in office, he's called the church to pray for that person. How often do we pray for those people that we may not agree with, but God has placed in authority, you know? So, you know, that's that's my take on it. We have to always step back. How are we going to deal with leadership and authority in a biblical fashion? Well, Scripture says pray for them. That's so true. And, and you know, uh, what did Jesus say to Pontius Pilate to add to what you're saying? He said that you wouldn't have no power unless God has given it to you. And he was speaking to him as a political leader. So right. God is in control. Uh, and... Um, you know, we are, are called by God to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the things in Galatians 5 and 22 is the first fruit of the Spirit is love. And what we're seeing today is not only a lack of praying for people, but right. we're seeing no love there. We're seeing hate. We're seeing malice. We're seeing, you know, uh, just cursing. I mean, these type of reactions, you have to say, question whether or not these people are Christians or not, you know. And sometimes you see uh, more uh, respect coming from cults than you do from some of these people in churches and uh, in these political uh, circles. So uh, we have to pray. Uh, not only do, do we have to pray for those in leadership, but we have to pray for these people that are demonstrating so much hate in their heart. And mm -hmm. it even it's, 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 it's really a bad witness when it's in the churches coming out because the churches are called by God to uh, reach the world through evangelism and through love and discipleship. And what we're seeing is the, the just the opposite of all, all that. So yes, I know church. That, uh, pastors had gone under fire from members within the congregation because they felt like, well, how come you didn't endorse our candidate? You know, it's not the pastor's job to endorse candidates. Pastor's job is to preach Jesus Christ. You know, and so people get, a, you know, you see this polarization even within the body of Christ. You know, and that's and it's all it's cultic mentality, like we said. Yes. Well, hopefully, uh, Jermaine, uh, we've tapped into uh, some of the concerns that you have brought to us and you had a very good question and hopefully we've been able to address some of it on a deeper level. Yeah, very much so. It was a great job, fellas. I, um, I'll have a, a part two next time I call. All right. Thank you so much and God bless you and your family. Hope the little uh, baby is uh, doing well and, and growing. And I hope you're getting yes, sleep. <laughs> well, well, that hope we'll keep praying on, Brother Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Feeling. All right. Let's go to our next caller, Sophia. Sophia, how you doing? Oh, I'm very well. Thank you so much. It's always such a treat to, and blessing to to speak with both of you. Before I ask my question real fast, 
I wanted to say two things. That that wonderful man of God, Brother Carl. I think God really needed his help. He said, "Let me have that fabulous man come in heaven and help me out, and I'll let his brother-in-law go too, as a companion." So I think that he was called home for a reason, and he's going to have a wonderful eternal life in in heaven. Amen. Yeah, we believe that. Yeah, we believe oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Whole, whole and the other thing I want to do is I want to give, and I've been meaning to do this a a virtual, I guess you'd call it a virtual hug and a kiss for Sister Sally. May I do that? Send it out. Amen. Mm-hmm. And then I get to my question. So my question is, in the book of Jonah, is the problem that Jonah thought that his his uh, sin wasn't as bad as Nineveh? And does God, uh, is, isn't one sin just as bad? He thought, well, I should be forgiven, but they shouldn't. Does God look at a sin and and say this sin is is not so bad, but this sin is? I'm a little confused about the book of Jonah. Well, that's a good question. All sin is is sin equally in the eyes of God, except for blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Right, of course. There is no forgiveness with that. And uh, Jonah never wanted to go to Nineveh in the first place when God told him to go. He did not want to see the Ninevites turn from their sin. Uh, he was afraid that God's word might change the hearts and minds of the Israel's uh, hatred of his enemies. So a lot of the problem, a lot of the Ninevites were Gentiles, and uh, Jonah was a Jew. So he uh, was struggling with two R's, uh, rebellion and racism. Uh, he wow. literally... Uh, felt like, uh, you know, those people, we are better than them. Uh, God is going to condemn them. And why should I go out and and reach the people? I'm just going to rebel and flee to Tarsus and uh, and get on board a a ship, a boat rather. And that's when God uh, came in and took him on a submarine ride and woke him up. But uh, the reality is, is that uh, God ultimately saved the Ninevites and gave him a slap in the face and said, you don't ever question what I call you to do. When I call you to do something to reach those people who don't know me, because the judgment upon you, Jonah, your sin is going to be greater because you know better. You know better. Those people in Nineveh, they're blinded to who I am. I want you to go there and open their eyes up and preaching the preaching the word of God. And so uh, because he did not do that, uh, God held him accountable with his sin. And literally, uh, God has a sense of humor because they ended up getting saved. And he realized that later on, uh, like uh, Job, you know, in the, the end of Job, that, you know, God says, you know, where were you at when I created the world and all that, you know, even get to the point where you question God and what he calls you and leads you to do. So um, uh, this is some great lessons in here for Jonah. And you don't ever question the calling of God, number one. You don't ever, uh, you know, prejudge people uh, that may not be uh, the same color as you or the race as you or the same economic level as you. Uh, but you go in there, whether they're homeless, poor, or whatever, you go in there and you reach them. 
you know, and you look at the life of somebody like uh, uh, Philip, you know, he was in the midst of a revival, in the midst of a revival and Samaritan people, he's a Jew and he's going to Samaritan people, which was a, a taboo. And then he, he follows the calling of God. Then God gave him a double challenge. Go to go to the to another place. I want you to go to Africa. I want you to go to Ethiopia. I want you to go to a eunuch there, uh, a black man, and I want you to uh, preach the gospel to him because he's trying to understand Isaiah 53. And he went there, and he reached him. So that's what Jonah should have did. He should have did the same thing that Philip did, and that God calls us all to do. So a lot of lessons to learn. So hopefully. That's uh, giving us some insight to that. Oh, that was fabulous. I had no idea that there was a racial content involved in that story, so that gave it a whole different dimension. So thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you so much for your call and always your good question. Well, God bless you both. God bless you as well. You too. Okay. We had Alfred called in with a question for both of us. Interesting question, and he's taking the answer off the air. He's, he wants to know, what is our favorite part about being a pastor? So right. We're going to let you go with that first, Gary, and I'll come behind it before we close. Okay, well, I'll, I'll try to be brief because we're running out of time. But we kind of talked about this off the air a little bit. But right now, I guess it, it changes over over time, but in... In this season that I'm in right now, I just really feel uh, full that God is um, wanting me to share um, information, knowledge, um, and wisdom with younger generation. You know, I'm 67 years old now, and I'm working with a lot of young people and also working um, with, with men who... Uh, need discipling. And, and that's a burden right now for me is discipling men and um, pouring into their lives. You know, that's, that's the thing that I, I really uh, get excited about right now. So that's, I'm going to leave it there because I know you, you have some things to share. Well, thank you so much for that, Brother Gary. And uh, just to add to that, I want to say that, uh, you know, discipleship is the great thing on my heart as a pastor and seeing people develop into what Christ has called them to do. That's what Christ did. His entire ministry was about discipleship. And that's what I'm committed to. The same heart as Jesus, discipling people. Then evangelism. Mm -hmm. You know, when you uh, reach people that don't know the Lord, that's the greatest joy of my life as a pastor to see not only myself reach people, but to disciple people and see them go out and disciple others and reach other people. Uh, and same with Gary, reaching the younger generation, you know, mentoring the men and bringing them in as surrogate, uh, coming in to us as surrogate fathers, because the greatest threat to America today in the household is the singleness of fatherless homes. So we got to reach the young men and women so that, I'll leave it at that and turn it over to you, Brother Gary. But good question, Alfred. We appreciate that. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast. We want to thank our, Vince, our engineer. And we can't say en enough about Vince. He's an amazing engineer. He Amen. keeps 
he keeps the wheels on the bus rolling. And we really appreciate him, especially when he's not here. It's like we get nervous. So thank you, Vince, for all that you do. We thank you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. And it's important for us to hear from you, your letters and cards and encouragement to us. So please drop us a note. Let us know how this program has blessed you. Please keep us in your prayers until next time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you.